well, would you do me a favor, just welcoming our first time guest today again. Always, always good to have you here and just honored that you're, that you're with us. And uh, again, just reminding you, this doesn't always happen, okay? So we are in a series, Christmas at the Movies. The last couple weeks, we've looked at uh, Home Alone, everybody, the Grinch, and now today, Christmas with the Cranks. I'm not sure if you've seen it. I'm not going to take a moment and summarize it all other than to say, it's a pretty good Christmas movie, all right? But uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you. There's, there's really one foundational passage we're going to be spending some time with uh, this morning. It's out of Ephesians chapter 4. So whether that's in your uh, tangible, physical Bible like mine, or if you're on your phone, you want to highlight. Come on, I, want, I just want to encourage you. You want to highlight these verses, I am, I am preaching today a quick, quick, everybody say quick, three, two, one, quick, quick survival guide for Christmas with the cranks, all right? You're going to want to take this message with you, and here's the deal, you want to apply it in every setting you find yourself this Christmas season, okay? This is surviving Christmas with the cranks. You know, it's actually based off of a John Grisham book. Now, not one of his cutting-edge political thrillers, obviously. He wrote a small, short, little book called Skipping Christmas. Well, Hollywood, so to speak, got a hold of it and made this movie based off of that. And I thought it would just be so appropriate in this season to give you a pastoral encouragement, everybody, to put some tools in your hands, some simple portable tools in your hands during this season of Christmas. So how many of you, just a quick show of hands, could use some help in surviving Christmas? Ain't nobody going to raise their hand, but in your mind, I see, I see those, I see those hands. Well, I know that I do. You may be surprised to know, but I don't always have perfect behavior, everybody. All right, all right. I make two mistakes a year, and almost always one of them is in the month of December, all right? Um, Right. All right. Survival guide for Christmas with the cranks. Really quickly, here are these profound verses. Listen, I want to tell you the gospel, the letters of the New Testament, the first testament, our approach to scripture. I want you to hear this. It is eternal. And it's so striking that a collection, a Holy Spirit, God inspired 66 books can be so vital for our present age. It has eternal truths for us. It's also quite consoling to us to know that as churches gathered 2,000 years ago, they had similar difficulties than we do today. Like every person that has ever lived has needed a good old-fashioned attitude adjustment. Somebody? Like I know parents, you may be thinking it's just your kids. Let me tell you, it's not just your kids, all right? It's been happening for 2,000 plus years. Some of you married folks, you're like, it's just my spouse. No, I'm just here to tell you, last 2,000 years, it's been all spouses everywhere, okay? All followers of Christ. Now, here's what I want to say. I want to say, Paul, who's writing to this church in Ephesus, they are already Christ followers. So if you've gone all in with Christ, all in with Jesus, like, here's the deal, you don't get to tap out of these verses. Like, you've got to own these verses. 
Now, I've kind of wrapped it up nicely in a fun Christmas at the movie series, but can I tell you, this applies for not only Christmas. This is for every crank you've ever encountered in the history of your life, all right? I want to empower you with your witness. I don't know about you, but there seems to be like a, a holy inspired evangelistic playbook I live with. Like, I try to do the right things. I put my shopping cart back in the cart corral. I try not to speed more than 25 miles over the speed limit. You know, I try to, uh, I, I've learned to be patient. Um, that, that, I've, uh, that in the drive-through, when they mess up my order, I've learned to, to take 30 minutes to calm myself down, worship, and then go in and just say, look, I, there seems to be a mistake. I've, I've been practicing. But here's the deal. When it has to do with cranky people, my Holy Ghost-inspired playbook quickly flies out the window, somebody, and I become Paul B.C., that is Paul before Christ. And so <laughs> the cranky in you, not you, of course, talking about outside of here, the cranky can in turn infuse me to become cranky likewise. And so what I need in my life is to be tethered to the word of God. And what I do need in my life is to be so tethered to the spirit of God that I stay in step with that spirit. Because here's what is happening this holiday season. You are being watched. You are being watched. Now, not government intel, like we all know we're being watched, but I mean, spiritually speaking, you're being watched. That is a good chance some of the cousins, maybe some of the friends, some of the family, hey, some of your coworkers, listen, as much as you want them to be doing version Bible app, plan with you, they ain't. And as much as you think their background where their parents drug them to Sunday school has stuck with them, it hasn't. And as much as you have tried to send them every podcast uh, or worship song and it make a difference, there's a chance maybe it hasn't. But the greatest, greatest example of Jesus in their life potentially is you. And that's what Paul is getting at. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32, he says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Come on, man. I just preached five messages in three lines. Remember, and here's what's important. Remember, remember, remember. Cranky people surrounding you, remember. He has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you with the sending of the Holy Spirit. It's a seal. That's in Romans, but we camp there. That you will be saved on the day of redemption. Your Holy Spirit is sent to seal you. For the day of redemption. Then he pivots quickly. And he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. As well as all types of evil behavior. But he doesn't say just figure it out. No, then he gives you the to do or the for 
Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Like, here's your permission. This whole week, you can camp out on Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Like, let that be your playbook. Like, read the Christmas passages. Come on, somebody, in all the Gospels. Read about John the Baptist proclaiming the truth of Christ's coming and all. Get caught up in all of that. Enjoy all of it. But the practical side of who you are, the side that your family, your friends, your spouse, your kids need to see, these are the verses that uphold the faith you profess. I mean, just dream. Like, I'm just, I just feel like dreaming for a moment. I just feel like getting my Christian imagination on. Imagine every Christ follower the globe over spending just two weeks obedient to Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. I'm quite convinced we probably solved like every world problem. Peace. <laughs> We're singing about world peace. World peace would poof. It happened. Kindness. Kind to each other. I mean, these are profound words, but I don't know about you. I might be projecting on you. You're like, man, my pastor, he needs some help. But I might be projecting on you, but sometimes when the emotions are so high during a pressured, somewhat can be stressful season, that playbook goes out the window. I'm encouraging, don't, don't throw it out. Keep it in. Write these words on your mind and on your heart. How to handle the cranks in our life, is to keep mindful of who we are in Christ. And so two very quick thoughts for you. You can write these down. First, your words are a witness and your deeds are on display. Private, public. Your words are a witness. Your deeds are on display. Isn't it funny? Just think with me for a moment. We are in an information age, and that has also caught traction in the arena of discipleship. So much so that discipleship sometimes emphasizes what you know. Information. But I don't know about you, but I can promise you, my apologetics, defending of the gospel, has not let down my witness for Christ. Nearly. <laughs> like my words and my deeds, somebody. Isn't that interesting? That no matter how much we study, if it just remains in the brain and not transforms the heart, we're not making the difference we can make with the opportunities that are before us. So very rapidly, rapid fire with me. Words are a witness. Ephesians 4, 29 Paul begins this particular point with what? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Like, here's how, how to frame that. Not helpful for you. Like, I just need to get my point across. Like, I just, I just need to make sure they know I was right. No, 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 no. <laughs> It has to do with them building others up. I was reading this story about these uh, two girls, Abby and Allie were their names. 
I was reading it on a blog. You ever heard of those? Like who? There are these things called blogs, circa 2005, 2015. They're still out there on the internet, but we've all gone Facebook and Twitter, but I, or X. But these blogs, these are these short stories. But I read a story of two daughters who had experience with words. Now they were growing up in the home, and the mom's just writing this short blog. And her one daughter, Abby, started degrading the other younger sister, Allie. And you know, common criticisms like, Allie is a stupid head. Allie is a stupid head. Allie is a stupid head. Allie told on her older sister by telling the mom, Mom, Abby, Abby is making bad confessions over me. Pretty profound for a six-year-old. But you know, sometimes in our life, we lose that childhood innocence. In the name of pragmatism, in the name of utilitarianism, like, will these words serve me well in getting what I want? When we view people as a means to an end, we can use our words to cause great damage and manipulate. And I believe this is an opportunity in this season of our lives. It can be so common in our minds to be a witness the farther out people are. But can I tell you, it's most influential with the closest we are to people. Our spouse, our children, our friends, our family. Our words are a witness. Our words are a witness. Luke 6, 45, Jesus says this, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Proverbs 18, 21, you may be familiar with this passage. The tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. I like to say that the game changer for relationship, even with the crankiest of the cranksters out there, your words can begin. They can begin to transform somebody's life. Your words, your words. You get mistreated, you get tore down, somebody snippy, snappy, short with you. Your words are great in that moment. You can be watering others' soul. If you see others, you see the seed of their life, right? Our words are watering a garden, so to speak. And you can truly, I believe this may sound profound for you, but I believe you can help change the course of others' direction by being a watchman over your words and just slowing your role for a moment before speaking, saying, and asking the simple questions like, is this going to build them up? How about this? Here's what's crazy. Little, little epiphany for you. You can even take this sermon and apply it to social media. Is this post going to help somebody? Y'all got too quiet. Is this post going to help somebody, right? Is this, is this thought, thought going to help my environment if I let it out? If I'm not speaking faith, maybe I ought to whoop. If I'm not speaking hope, maybe I ought to whoop. If I'm not being kind, maybe I can just keep that. Grab me a Diet Dr. Pepper and a bag of chips, and then with the power of the Holy Spirit, speak by faith, somebody. Our words are a witness. Our words are a witness. I wish 
we could um, kind of move, not us, but I wish society, we could move beyond the power of that, but it's always been that way. With our words, God created. Not our words, with his words, he created. Our words have creative, I do believe this, supernatural DNA to them. And sometimes, I've, I've noticed sometimes in my life, what I'm experiencing is what I have spoken. And sometimes that's really good, and other times I'm like, ooh, how about that? I ruined that little family field trip with the words of my mouth. <laughs> Luther in Christmas with the Cranks. Come on. I've watched Christmas with the Cranks. I kind of empathize with Luther. I'm kind of like right there with you, man. I get it. But Luther, nonetheless, for the point of this message, his words began creating his experience of Christmas. It's powerful. It's powerful if you think about that. Change the rudder, so to speak, as James would say. You change the rudder, and it changes the course. And James, the brother of Jesus, hears him getting real theology. He says it has to do with the tongue. The smallest item in the human body has the most profound effect. Okay, I digress. Deeds are on display. So, so, so <laughs> I heard a message like the, the, the weight of our words, right? If we're, if we're ready feeling a little challenged by the weight of our words. You're in a good place because now I'm going to challenge your deeds, somebody. Get excited, everybody. Put, put that napkin up. Come on. All right. Deeds are on display. Matthew 5, 15 through 16. Neither do people light a lamp, as we sung, the kids sung this morning, and put it under a ball. No, instead they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Some of you wondering about your witness. Some of you are exhausted by the consistency you have on display and you're wondering, will it make any difference? Yes, it will, says Jesus. Keep doing what you're doing if it's good. The results are not up to you. Your role is to remain consistent, be full of character. Let everything you do be unto the Lord that it may glorify Him. But I'm tired, right. I got cranks in my life, right. Right. Let everything you do be unto the Lord. Be unto the Lord. Be unto the Lord. How do you keep showing up? How do you keep serving? How do you keep being so generous? How do you keep laying it down? How do you keep that smile on your face? How do you not get bitter? I've been forgiven. And I know the practice of self-care, but that's a different message. But I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. Remain, remain steady. Remain somebody. Your deeds are on display. I'll end with this short quote. You're familiar with it. It's by William Thoms, T-H-O-M-S, an author out of the UK from roughly 1805 to 1863. You're welcome. And here's what he says. Be careful how you live. You will be the only Bible some people will ever read. That's it. That's the tweet. I'm just kidding. That's it. Be careful how you live. Those words are echoing exactly what Paul has laid before us. This Christmas season, not only this Christmas season, imagine this being a portion of Scripture for your behavior. All the goals, all the vision, all the passion as you approach 2024. I mean, imagine, 
your life. Imagine, think about this, imagine your closest relationship. All you did was build each other up. All you did. I think about that, I'm, I'm holding a mirror to my face. Imagine a marriage. Imagine a relationship as a father with my daughters. Imagine my relationship with friends. If all I ever did was build others up. They find this study in the workplace. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of on a whim here because I read about it just this past week, so I don't have all the data for you. I apologize. But they have found this in the workplace, that whether it's management or supervisors, when they step into a micromanagement position and are nitpicking with a critical perspective and critical anger, typically an employee can only rise to some point. That they get capped not by their own ability, not by their own strengths, not by their own creativity and what they bring to the table. They are capped by the authority over them. Data is now out there. You can study some John Gordon, a uh, 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 coach, some of his work. He, he was sharing this and he said, they have actually now found in the marketplace, this isn't in church, I mean, it applies to church, but it's not in families and all that. It's, it's in the workplace. They have found that leadership, that authority, so to speak, in the workplace, when it comes alongside, and it doesn't refrain or dismiss wrongs, or things that need to be tweaked or changed. But when they come in and just do a bucket full of encouragement, a bucket full of hope, a bucket full of, listen, these goals we can meet together. You're, set, you're perfect for this role. I know you're having to dig deep, but you have exactly what it takes. All those sorts of things, aka encouragement, building each other's up, they found that, guess what? Goals get met above and beyond. Oftentimes in a time scale that's faster. It's counterintuitive because if we're not careful, that cranky spirit, it gets on us. And we want to criticize. Come on, think about your, your child. Think about your spouse. So easy in a marriage, it becomes the quickest thing to point out and magnify what's wrong instead of the million things that are right, somebody. Also can be applied to in-laws, y'all. Merry Christmas. Let's live well this Christmas, with or without the cranks in our lives. Let's hold the scripture, amen? And let's, let's live, I'm saying this to myself, let's live as if we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, with limitless potential and every opportunity to be a light through our words, to be a light through our deeds, amen? God, thank you for today. Thank you for this time together. God, I just think about all the things happening in this season, Lord. And I just thank you for every person here, every person later this week listening to this message under the sound of my voice. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to them. That, Father, whether it's a check on their words or whether it's a check on their actions, Lord, they would handle the cranky situations of life empowered by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to empower us with greater measure. Fill us up to overflowing. That, Lord, we be people of grace, be people of kindness, generosity, mercy, and peace, Lord. Holy Spirit, help us to cultivate our hearts so that when the wrongs come, we respond with the love of Christ. We thank you, God, for your mercy meeting us in this place. We thank you, Jesus 
as we sung, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we surrender our life to you, God. And we say, have your way in us. Come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.